Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Hockey World. Hey, how y'all doing out there? It is the beginning of the second round of the playoffs. It is Club Tuesday. It's Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. He had to look at the calendar. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Jan Levine. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Michael. Do days really matter if you're just on hockey time? You know, like we play every day of the week. Yes. Well, you know when to turn on the television. The only thing about weekends is I don't have to worry about the podcast. <laughs> That's the only difference. I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzz. <laughs> uh, I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzz. Guest on This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you on the coming in the hockey world. And um, we've got two Rangers people here today which I assume is where we're going to start. Russ, you and Jan, take it away. Russ, what's up? Well, I'll let Jan go first because his time's limited and then I'll bounce off of him. Yeah. Um, where do I start? Um, so the word pathetic performance kind of comes to mind. Now, let me take a step back. First, congrats to the Devils. I mean, they clearly deserve the series. I mean, playoffs is all about a battle of attrition, which if anybody's seen all the injuries that Tampa Bay had, you understand why the playoffs are always a battle of attrition, but it's also a battle of adjustments. And after games one and two, New Jersey did the far better job of adjusting. And part of that is what gets into the potential for the future for the Rangers, because one of the Major criticisms over Gerard Gallant over the years has been his inability to adjust, especially in-game, but between games, right? His shelf life with teams has been three years. Rangers were cruising game one and two. You can argue that game three, even though they were kind of outplayed, they had a shot to win the game. And the penalty on Igor Shosturkin on Timo Meyer, which was a rather bad call, clearly kind of changed the momentum. But after game three, the Devils found what was working, right? They played that one for neutral zone trap. They pressured Adam Fox at the point in terms of on the power play, taking away his ability to find space. Rangers finally adjusted in game six. And then yesterday they came out completely flat. Now, part of that is not always on the coach because players need to be self-motivated. And honestly, if you can't figure a way to get yourself motivated for a game seven in the playoffs with a shot at advancing, when you see Boston's been knocked out, Tampa Bay's been knocked out, Colorado's been knocked out, all the veterans in the room, that's on the players, but it's also on the coach because a criticism of Gallant is his teams a lot of times have not come to play, right? A lot of the games, they've been cratered, and they've just stayed in games because of Igor Shosturkin. And yesterday, I wrote in my blog two things. One is, is effort beats talent when the talent has no effort, and will beats skill when the skill has no will. And if you look at the first two goals that New Jersey scored yesterday, the first one came on an effort play that was set up by by Plot and McLeod. And the second goal was John Marino and then finding Tatar in front of the net where I don't know what happened to Adam Fox this series, but something better be materially wrong with him injury-wise because he was absolutely brutal. And both of those plays are pure effort plays. You see Nico Heischer. I mean, the basic, basic encapsulated the entire Devils effort was the play where Heischer and Shesterkin got into it, where Heischer went hard to the net and knocked over Shesterkin, and but basically made the effort. Find me one play in the seven games that the Rangers played where they went hard to the net, where Vanacek was bumped into, where Schmid was bumped into. Oh, where Kreider, you found Kreider did that. Once, right? But there wasn't, it wasn't, a, I mean, every player on the W, you can argue, made an effort, right? You could see the will that they had. And that's not the only reason why they lost, but when the, your big name veterans did not show up this series. Oh, right? I'll, I'll let you go ahead and cause I have a couple more things to add, Mike. Well, I was just going to say Trocek did it in game seven. He went to the net and then Kane almost scored on that, on that play. And that was one of the few times Kane mm-hmm. had a really good offensive opportunity, but go ahead, Jan, cause I know your time is limited. Well, so, so look, Artemi Panarin did not have a good postseason last year. He had the one goal, I mean, obviously the game winner in overtime against Pittsburgh, but there was a lot of whispers last year, right? The jury was not happy about the effort or the performance of Panarin. I can only imagine what was going through his head watching this series. Cause he was flat out invisible. Mika Zibanejad did not have a good series. Part of it may have been the defensive responsibilities he had, but he did not have a good series. Adam Fox, other than the first two games when he was racking up points in the power play, had a brutal series. Keandre Miller was exposed as being a forward playing defense. He had a brutal series. Trocek had a mess series. Kreider, great first three games, 
not great games four and five, better game six, and a complete disappointment, as he said, is a minus four in game seven. The only guy you can really look at who came to play every single night was Igor Shosturkin. And Henrik Lundqvist was probably watching that broadcast, broadcast last night going, this kind of looks familiar. I've seen this game before. There's a deja vu all over again moment for me. So you don't like to have sacrificial lambs, but as Elliot Friedman said today, A, you know what Drury's like. B, I wouldn't say Drury's safe because we all know the person who controls the purse strings in New York has a very short fuse. And we saw what happened with John Davidson and Jeff Gordon with uh, Glenn Sather playing a part in that. I would say, honestly, nobody is safe right now in terms of the leadership committee, be it right or be it wrong because of the way things ended. And if I'm the Rangers, I sure as hell hope the New York Knicks go on a long run to make James Dolan really happy because if not, he's going to have a heavy trigger finger and who knows where it's going to land. All right. So, points. you know, a few points, you know, being at the game. First thing, I'll, I'll handle the management thing first. Most of the people think that Galan's gone and nobody thinks Drury's in trouble now. I'm not saying Drury has done a good job. His asset management has, hasn't been good, and he should have passed on, on Kane twice. He, apparently, Kane wanted to just be a Ranger so bad that Drury just finally said, okay, it really wasn't mm-hmm. Dolan at all. So, so that's on him. Uh, as far as the play, I think the Rangers figured out after that first scoring chance and, and Schmid stopped it and it didn't go in that – they were unprepared for this game. Like they were unprepared for the effort that the Devils were going to give. They were unprepared for the speed. They were unprepared for everything. I think the Rangers just thought that they would go in there and be able to be fancy, score some goals, and walk out of that building with a win. And when it was come, when it was obvious after the first period that it didn't happen, that's when your coach has to sort of said, "And now look, he did put the kid line out there eventually at one point. He did change a few things up, but what he didn't change was the mentality." And the mentality really should have been, listen, you know how good these guys are. You know how fast they are. We've dropped a 2 nothing lead to these guys. Is this really how you want the season to go? Because, yeah, the, the sloppiness of the passes, like when you've got Kane and Panarin trying these boomerang passes, they're not going to work. Um, I didn't think Fox was brutal at all. I thought Fox okay. really um, – if you didn't have that pairing of Fox and Lindgren, just imagine what the score would have been in um, that Fox, when he had the puck, was doing mostly the right things. He was. Um, now, Keandre Miller, I agree with you. Like That's a guy where you may have to explore trading him rather than giving him uh, a bridge deal or even a longer-term contract. They're going to have to fall short now on some of those deciding things on long-term contracts. I wouldn't bring Kane back. I wouldn't bring Tarasenko back. And they're going to have to do a better job with player development and pro scouting. Like, Again, they need to find the next Ely Tovenin. They need to find the next Carter Verhage because that's where they're at. They're, they're only going to have, you know, a few players that they can pick up at two and a half, three million bucks. And you can't really do anything about the top guys because they're making way too much. You can't trade them. So that's where they're at. So they're, they're going to change the coach. If they bring in Quenville, it's a mistake. All Quenville's going to do is try and make them more defensive and he'll probably make them slower in the process. What used to be a thing in the playoffs, like we used to say, oh, it's playoff hockey. It's it's tougher. They're going to beat you up, and it's slower. It's no longer slower. Everybody, all the fast teams have kept up their pace in in from the regular season to the playoffs. The Leafs have, the Panthers have, the Devils have, and all the teams that thought that the game would change so drastically and we'd be okay in the playoffs aren't. And that's that's the old school thinking that I think the Rangers fell into a trap here because in the end they ended up for a team that was just rebuilding a couple of years ago. They ended up being too old and too slow again. Well, I mean, the, the one, Jan, I want to ask you this. No, go ahead. Because the one thing I would say, and I, I grant all your points about, and Russ's points about Gallant, but the team that Drury built going into the deadline, all the additions that they made, was not a Gallant-type team. Mm-hmm. He, he brought in s- skill on top of skill, and Gallant is, I mean, look look what he did, what he's done in other places uh, like Vegas. He's had like workmanlike, tough teams, uh, you know, physical teams. This was not a gallant type team, and he was given that. And that was, you know, what I, I don't know, like why they doubled down on Kane on top of Tarasenko, but that just doesn't fit his style. And in the end, that's what killed them. I think they they, they played a style that was not conducive to the team that they actually had. 
Yeah, so a couple, a couple things between what you said and what Russ said. So let me tell, let me start with Gallant. So Arthur Staple wrote last night that there clearly was a disconnect between Drury and and Gallant as to what he wanted, right? So the Kane thing, he clearly pushed for the trade. Now their big swing and, and hit, honestly, Tarasenko I thought played well. He actually is a much more physical. He was a much more he's a much more physical player, and I thought Miko Mikula was actually not bad either and provided them right. And I thought he played pretty well. So the problem was, is okay, the big argument was we need to lengthen the top six, which which I get. And I know for all the criticism of Barkley Goodrow, right, planting him to the fourth line probably made no sense. You probably could have used him on the second line because he showed he could move up and found somebody else who was a bottom six winger or center that probably would have been a fit, which would have provided the balance. But as you said, Russ Kane wanted the trade, and he got to the point where it was so, quote-unquote, cheap that they felt they had no choice but to make the move. Not necessarily factoring in the fact that I love Kane, but he's definitely lost a step or two or three based upon the hip, and he was far from productive. I think the bigger issues, as you talked about, Russ, in terms of player development, you drafted first and second in back-to-back years, and you've gotten guys right now who is questionable as to whether or not they'd be first-round picks based upon what you've seen. Alexis Lafreniere has grown absolutely, really, very little in this first several years. Now, part of that is the fact that each of them are on the third line. Part of that is that they're really not getting any power play time, as opposed to if they went to teams... Like, look, they're not Hughes, right? They picked the wrong year to have the first and the second pick based upon what came out, although they were guys like Chuck and others they could have taken, but they wouldn't have taken at that pick. But the problem is, is you've utilized them based upon the manner in which they're deployed, that they haven't maximized the talent. And this is the, the system issue. This is the problem where you don't have a, the right skating coach. You don't have a right skills coach. And it's also the fact that you threw them in the lineup as opposed to both giving them a month or two down in the AHL for an opportunity to develop and, and, and broaden and maximize those skills before you brought them up. And now you have a problem where you have two guys, one, each of whom are going to be coming up on new, Kako's got a new deal. Lafreniere is coming up on a new contract. We now need to figure out where they are and you've kind of pigeonholed them in terms of utilization that they have based oh, upon, they based upon what's around them. I, I thought Kako was brilliant on Hughes. He did a great job. No, no, I, right. But the problem is offensively, neither one of them have developed at the level or the extent you expect to see for a first or a second round pick. And that's part of the criticism. But it gets into the, it gets into the, it gets into the one. We have to remember right. he's 21. Right. It, but it gets into the broader issues associated with drafting overall under Gord Clark at times. It gets to the broader development level issues in terms of, you know, we talk about maybe the last forward other than Chris Kreider that has developed coming out of the Rangers system as a first-round draft pick. And we can probably sit here the rest of the show to try to find one because there really isn't any. And then you look at who they took a lot of times in the first round and several of the picks, Leas Anderson, right, Vitaly Krausoff. All of that is – not all of that is on the Rangers. Some of it is on the players. But a lot of it has to do with the evaluation skills that existed within the scouting system, but also development or lack thereof within the system overall. And – Look, Gallant is probably going to be the sacrificial lamb because, as you said, right, Mike, they didn't build a team that Gallant wanted. They probably could have done kind of a hybrid approach. I don't think it's sacrificial. I don't want to go out and say this is sacrificial. I think some of this is on Gallant, too, because he does control power play. He let that power play go for like a minute 45 every time. Second power play gets like 15 seconds. A lot of those things he can still control, but Gallant kind of lets the players do what they want. And then when things start going bad, he'll just kind of change lines but he doesn't really ever employ uh, accountability into anything. And he doesn't talk yeah, about yeah. accountability. And, That's a big problem with the Rangers. And, and, I, and I said to Russ, Jan, after the game, they went one for their last 21 on the power mm-hmm. play. That, you know, they it's gave the up the short They ruined the chemistry of it for six, seven weeks. They yeah, but they went back to it, Russ. Yeah, they and went it, back to it for two power plays. Yeah, it worked actually pretty well in game six for them. It did, and then they went back to it for two power plays and then decided to go switch it up again. It just – that's the problem. I mean, I think it's well, really clear in the, in the press conference when, you know, Gallant's first thing says, you know, first question is asked about talent. He's like, it does nothing to do with talent. And I think that was Gallant basically saying the difference between uh, – basically saying, bring, give me Panarin, give me Kane, give me all you want to give. It does nothing to do with talent. He well, did that, that. To me, that was a clear mm-hmm, shot. Absolutely. That was, a Rick right. bon- that was a Rick bonus light type of – But, the, but the point being is is – if you don't know what the Devils bring you by the time you've hit Game Seven and can't have your team prepared, exactly. that's on you. I mean, we that's all said before the, we all said before the series that the Devils' speed is going to be the, one of the major difference makers in this series because they have a ton more speed than the Rangers do based upon the lineup configuration, and that's that's part of the problem, right? The team overall lacks high-end speed. So when I got the lineup sheet, you just think about it. 
Kane started that game on the third line and they weren't going to start that third line against the Hughes line because they knew that that's a big mismatch. Just think about the optics of all that going into a game seven. But this, but this, this, is, the, this is the thing. Okay, I, I I will grant all of Russ's points about, about Kane, that he slowed down, that maybe they shouldn't have made the trade for him. He had six points in this series. Right. He it had, was not the, oh, the fault he, of that series loss was not on freaking no, no, no. So, so the, the, the loss was not on Kane. The, actually, the best game he had was game two. He actually had right. a really good game two. The other games, he was average. The loss is not on Kane, but it's the broader issue that resulted from the lineup configurations, yeah, and more right. important, yeah, the I lack of the lack of chemistry that was changed based yeah. upon him bringing him in. Remember, they played a couple times shorthanded. They didn't have the cap availability. They changed the mechanism of the lineup. And again, nothing against Patrick Kane specifically, but the problem is the way this happened from a chemistry perspective. No, no, that I'm was a big issue. Also, I was able to watch behind the play when you're not able to watch on TV. And he was absolutely giving up defensively on plays. The minute he saw there was no offensive chance, he would just give up and then go straight to the bench. And that doesn't help a team when you're down. And it doesn't help a team that actually has to kind of get something going by playing a good game where you have puck possession. Kane had very little puck possession. Mike, you pointed out one play in the third period. There was one other play in that game. But other than that, he was just looking to cherry pick. And you could see it. If you were at the game, you could see that. I mean, the, honestly, like I said, is look, I understand why they brought Kane in. They got him so cheap that they felt that there was no reason not to bring him in. However, as, as I've been talking beforehand, as crazy as it sounds, the guy who I wanted after the Tarasenko trade, honestly, was Sam Lafferty. Because he's got enough speed. You could have thrown him on the fourth line. VC's not a great top six guy, but you could have put Goodrow, who basically is, is kind of a, a Swiss Army knife kind of guy, who could move up, or if need be, you could have moved up one of the kids to that line to potentially play the right wing. Nothing against Kane, but the problem is, is as as this as the team was configured based upon the way into the system, look, they they should have probably won game three. That game three was there for the taking, yeah, and they right. let Devils basically grab that game and grab control of the series, and it was a trickle-down impact. Once they lost game three, they fell apart in games four and five before they finally had a little pride in game six. And as Russ said, Maybe they fell apart after the first period, but honestly, if I'd come out of that first period and I was zip-zip and saw what the Devils had, I actually probably would have been emboldened by the fact that, hey, guys, we haven't played great, but we're still zip-zip going in, and all it's probably going to take, honestly, if we get one good goal, we have a shot at winning this series, and in essence, they couldn't do it yesterday at all. To me, what happened real quickly, real quickly, before I get to your agenda, to me what happened is last year when you looked at this team in the playoffs and they're playing against Tampa, and the kid line, quote unquote, was becoming the second line, even at the first line at times in that series. Like you could see that they were the, they were be turning into what they were you wanted them to be, you know. And by adding two players in Panarin and you know not not, not in, in adding Tarasenko and Kane, you push them back to the third line again. Like and that 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 to me became an issue. Like did they suddenly were a third line third line again where you know we were progressing? They were progressing as they naturally should have. They should have been the team's first or second line this year. But they weren't. But they didn't earn it in the playoffs. Like again, but again, you could also you, you also could have deployed the three lines fairly evenly if you had to, based upon yeah. the way the playing time. They finally did that towards the latter part of the season when Heedle was rolling and you got yeah. Kako and Lafreniere. He kind of changed that a little bit come the playoff time. And part of that is this is the lack of the elite skating ability, right? It's one of those things, you know, when years ago Barb Underhill used to work for them, right? I know that they try to hire, I'll remember her name in a minute, but the person they tried to hire last year who ended up getting a job coaching in the AHL, they were bringing her in to be that skating coach. And that's part of the difference that they need. They need somebody who's a person who, I mean, look, you have three or four guys who need a skating coach, who need to get better in terms of their speed. B, they need a guy, they need a better skills coach. And right now, you would think with all the resources they have, the inability to find that over the last three, four years, besides the poor drafting at times, are a couple of the hallmarks I take out of the Gordon and Drury um, hierarchy oh, yeah. and infrastructure as of right now. Work. People don't trust to work for them, Dan. I mean, like, they're, you know, they, that's part of the thing. Like, I've talked to people who have been offered jobs for the Rangers, and they're like, I don't know. You know, that's the thing that they, they don't, I mean, because because they look at the upper management and they see how, it, you know, it can be completely a bombshell the second something like this happens. You know, and, the other and, thing is they had only about four players that were really willing to shoot. Once in a while, Kane would try and sneak one, like, on the side post or something. But he wasn't really taking great shots. Um, other than Zabanajad, Kreider, uh, 
Panarin gave up on his shot after like three games. He just only wanted to do was pass. And the coach has to recognize that and say, all right, if this is what he's going to do, then I really do have to kind of change the way I'm using him because clearly he was mentally defeated on trying to score a goal in the series. And, you know, again, even after that nothing, nothing first period, when they came out in the second period, you didn't get a feeling that they no. had any chance of winning this game. And I'm sorry, that is coaching because again, you're the one who has to motivate these guys. Yeah. If you just walk in the locker room and say, Hey, we're nothing, nothing, keep it going. And you walk out, you're not doing your job. And we so, don't know. One, good, sorry, Russ. One more thing I'll add. So let me be clear. I'm not taking anything away from the doubles, right? They earned this series. I know, they Jack, did. Jack, Jack Hughes showed he's an elite player. Yeah. Palat yesterday showed that the experience that he had in the game seven and the championship pedigree he had with Tampa makes a big difference. Their fourth line, McLeod, made a big difference yesterday. On the, I don't think the blue line was great, but the one, two, the, the neutral zone one four trap that they kind of played, and I, I don't mean it by a trap per se, but the way they, they had three guys around Schmidt the whole time. They did. correct, right? The so they did a good job of collapsing that. it, and right, they as opposed to passing, literally just start putting pucks on net and getting bodies in front of the guy, right? Make, I mean, they also fell in love after game six when they got beaten up twice high and they found rooms in the slot. They also started just shooting high on everything. They really didn't mix anything up. They basically followed the same pattern as opposed to trying to mix things up to kind of confuse them a little bit, just as opposed to just saying, oh, we're just going to keep shooting high and hopefully eventually it's going to go in. You can't do that every single shot yesterday. So when they got Tarasenko and Kane, they decided to go with a marketing plan because that's what MSG does. And they went with the marketing plan of Showtime. If you noticed, they bailed on that halfway into it when the team started to fail in the regular season and losing mm-hmm. their spot at winning the division. So yeah. they were looking for that marketing boost too. And it's hard to do that and win in the NHL. Right. They could have been Showtime had Peter Laviolette been the coach because he would have played a more offensive style. Right. And you had players that were brought in that were offensive minded players and you had a defense and physicality minded coach. It didn't make sense. And I put that on Drury. I mean, I, he's not going to lose his job, but yet you, you have to give your team the best chance to win. And you also have to cater to the coach and the style that he coaches and by giving them water bugs who were flying around instead of guys who were going to go into the corners, that just led to disaster. That's Here's an interesting thought for you guys, Rangers people. When Kane, when Patrick Kane was traded here for nothing, like you talk about, like almost really literally nothing. It was, it was part of that was based on a, what I hear a behind the scenes promise that he would sign there for almost nothing next year. Um, and that, you know, he really just wanted to play for the Rangers and he knew that the cap space wouldn't be there. So you're going to be in this spot now where you're going to have to look at Patrick Kane at like three to $4 million a yeah, year. They, they, they can't afford him right now at that cost though. That's right, the problem, so, right? They have 11 million to try to get three forwards. I think two yeah, men yeah. and a backup goalie. And you still also have, I think Lafreniere and Miller, both who are up for new deals based yeah, upon their get. Each one of them won't, won't get a ton of cash based upon their performance this year. Miller last year probably would have gotten a heck of a lot more money. Right. Look, I mean, I also don't be surprised. I mean, again, you would know better and Russ, you would know also. I think Kane is going to probably need hip surgery, oh, right? And part of that is going to probably hopefully, quote, unquote, reduce the cost because if it is the case where he's going to be out a while, they'll put him on LPIR to try to create additional cap space, at least in the short term, to be able to try to sign guys. But, I mean, Barkley Goodrow is the guy they've talked about a lot that could be a, quote, unquote, cap casualty. And then, yes, he is making a lot of money at $3.6 million for the, for the way they use them. But, but I also think that he's been one of those guys that have been one of the better players overall who's provided yeah, them what they them. need. I would rather I would rather keep Goudreau than Kane. I think they need to go in a different direction. This doesn't work right now for a team like the Rangers. It's not going to work. It'll be interesting to see. Well, thanks, Jan. Thanks so much for jumping on. appreciate thanks, it. Always. Take As care, always, guys. Make sure you check out Jan's articles. Amazing stuff on there. And uh, yeah, let's move. Let's move on to. Um, well, let me let me just let me just yeah. let me just say one more thing because I yeah. wanted to let Jan get the the majority of the yeah. conversation. I mean, yeah, I give I give I give the Devils a lot of credit, and now I think what we talked about yesterday. I think Lindy is safe. I, I, I even if they lose to Carolina, I think he you know I think he's going to keep his job. I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you, like nobody. I don't think nobody really expected the Devils to beat the Rangers. They were I mean, listen statistically, he should be safe. Like a normal, a norm, any normal, any normal situation, any like hundred percent normal situation. Situation, he would be safe right like this is 100 percent. i 100 percent agree that but just there's so many insides things that i've heard that i just i'm really not sure that this is as normal as we think now listen i mean at some point when do you have to say like obviously 
it's working. But when do you also sit there and say, you know, that this is just a good group of players, you know, who are kind of leading themselves like that? Like, what is he bringing to the table? Is he is he kind of taking away more than he's bringing? Could they be better than they are now even without that? There's there's these are the kind of questions you hear in there a lot. Like you hear like they think they're better than they are with him sometimes. So it's 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 just uh, it's a really weird situation. And I, 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 I think that he will calmly retire. Like, I, I just have the sense that he's going to retire. I don't know what it is, but I think he's going to retire. Not a chance in hell no. will Patrick Kane go back to Buffalo. Not no. a chance No, he's not going back to Buffalo. He'll go back to Chicago before he went back to Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. no way. Not, not only going to retire either. Listen, he, he hasn't. He's not going to retire. I'm just going to say man. this in the most basic way I know how to say, because I grew up in the New York area. I watched a lot of guys come in in the middle towards the downside of their career, trying to revive it in New York, especially with the Rangers. It's the worst place to do it because when it doesn't work, yeah. all the spotlight yeah, yeah. goes to you. I have a really weird prediction on Kane, and this is, this is you know, it was going to sound out of left field, but it's just something that I've heard down the line and for a couple of years now. Um, look out for the Panthers and Patrick Kane next year. Listen, I, I don't think and I think, I think that that's something that, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what's going to happen with the Panthers here as we go move forward, but I think it's a place he's always wanted to play. I've heard this. It's not like, you know, and, and also it's a place where you get out of that media spotlight that he's been in, in Chicago and New York. And if, if this whole thing in New York, it gets too much for him. He's like, ah, oh, you know, whatever, go to Florida, go to Florida and just, and you know, like everybody does, it's the law. When you get old, you move to Florida. No, um, no listen, I could see it. I'm just saying, yeah, I think, um, Kane, knowing his situation, had too much of an ego to say, I'm, I'm going to really go there and I'm going to help them win a cup. He wasn't in any position to do that physically. He wasn't. It's, you know, we don't, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, in hindsight right now, that's absolutely what it looks like, right? So it's hard to say. I mean, the, after the first two games of the play, of this, of this of this playoffs, I was like, well, maybe this is the perfect. Maybe they did the perfect. It's just crazy how quickly you know what I, said? I said he has to sustain this. For the whole playoffs, and I knew he wasn't going to be able yeah, to, yeah, do yeah, that yeah, most, yeah. especially at that age. With that, yeah, absolutely, he couldn't do it. So he was cheating on other ends of the ice, and and that ended up hurting him too. And he's such a big personality. You bring him into a room, um, yeah. you know, like that, and you have like you have guys in there that respect him. Obviously, there's it, no question that you know that it it, wh- it whacked out the chemistry, and and yeah. it happened so this late. In right? his- I've said the Rangers' defense is yeah. not great, and it's, yeah, not. it's not great. Um, Shurkin is, is a crazy competitor though that we learned that. I mean, I, I like, I just, I, that guy competes like more than any Russian goalie I think I've ever seen. I want to throw that out there. just like, I, it, you just, I like, I mean, it's, it's a big statement. Maybe there's a lot of great Russian goalies, but I think Shesterkin is I think as fiery as any Russian goalie. Accurate. And I said this, to, I said this to Russ after the, after the game, you know, when you have an opportunity and you're a player to, 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 you know, do something, you know, you do it in spite of maybe the moment not being the right moment and yeah. Truba destroying Meyer on that. They, that, needed, they needed that hit when it was nothing, nothing or one, nothing as a yeah. momentum change. Yeah. And it happened at two, nothing when I think the game was pretty much over with, I'm not saying he shouldn't have taken it because he destroyed Meyer and my, and it was, I mean, everybody said it was a clean hit, even though it looked like it was principal. It was so Stevens Lindros. It was ridiculous. Like oh, it, it was, was. I it mean, was there's no, no doubt. reminiscent of that, of that hit. What's interesting Eck, is scouting the refs had it right. I mean, while other people were pulling out the basic rule that you can't hit in the head. Yes, that's great. But the thing was where Trooper was, where he was making the hit, because Meyer had his head down, there is a rule that basically says if the guy can't get his head out of the way and is in the process of being hit, there is a point where that's not a penalty. And that's what they called on the ice. And I get it. Listen, if you want to get mad because he flattened Meyer, that's fine. But we also know Eck, that Timo Meyer does his his best in the corners, too. Um, he's not oh, a yeah, he's not a, he's he's not not a, a totally player. clean player. Oh, no, Dima Myers is not a. But not and, you know, if New Jersey loses today, and that hit, if, it, if that hit never happens, and New Jersey loses the today, the talk would have been about what an awful trade that was. Like because because Meyer had zero points in that series, zero zero points. In now the he series. was contributing in other ways. I did see him do a lot of good things. Yeah, but still, he, but in the corner. He was doing that. Still, you need points out of you him. You need right? a point or two. I mean, Russ, you just can't like zero is zero. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a big difference, even an assist or a goal. It's like zero is 
Zero. I'm and- going to say this to Chris from Long Island in the best possible way. Truba, if he's a disappointment, he would still be the second best defenseman on the Islanders. So it doesn't matter if Truba is scoring oh, points. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, is he as big as a disappointment as five of the Islanders forwards making five million bucks? I mean, let's say it right where it is, Russ. The Islanders and the Rangers finished the same way at the same they time. Did. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> and they made it a game further because he didn't have points. That's not his job. They have other guys for that. He does get points. Don't get me wrong. And he did have a shot that almost went in yesterday. But that's not his main job. His main job is what he did against Meyer and what he did in most of that series. Patrick Kane will be an interesting thing to watch in the, in the summer. We'll we'll get we'll, we'll get to plenty of that. We don't have to talk about that. But there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of speculation on what what's going to happen there because I really think, you know, that there were promises made here, and I'm going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Like. Um, I just don't know. You know, I don't know. Um, anyway. All right. Um, let's get, let's move on tonight, tonight, because I spent a long time today, Mike, on this game. Um, as you saw, my article was, I don't yeah. write, I don't write long articles. It's not Voluminous, my I would say. Voluminous. Uh, but I think I had a lot of points in it that were pretty right, right on because these teams have never, the great thing about this next round is that only the Devils and Carolina Hurricanes have ever played each other in the playoffs. Like they're, they, they played each other four times um, in the early, in the two, in the aughts. Right, but they haven't played since then. Carolina won three in the series. The Devils won one. But the other teams have never played each other in the playoffs, and no one has won a Stanley Cup since Car- and that's left since Stanley since Carolina. So it's really fascinating. Talk about wide open field. It is absolutely wide open. And so I, I went into like a lot of different things on my article, Mike. Um, but um, the one I wanted to kind of throw out, like just to you, is you know the similarities, which I, we talked a little bit about yesterday, are, are crazy. There are some so many similarities between these two teams. In, in in the way they won the first round, you know, just the fact they each were only won only won one game at home. The fact that they each won multiple games on the road, you know, Florida winning two in overtime, Toronto winning three in overtime. Right. You know, the fact that you know everybody said, "Oh, there were three on one against the Panthers this year." Yeah, but I, I, and I know I know you bristle at the point, but again, I I will say this for Florida. Yeah. Um, that I would say the majority of the games. Boston was the better of the two teams uh, for the majority of the, of the game, but that, you know, right. they won, they won games like the, the game five in Boston when Kachuk scored yeah, yeah. the overtime winner. And, you know, I, I think they were the better team in game seven against Boston, but Toronto, I, I, I will say to my dying day, they were the worst of the two teams in terms of, in terms of play in offensive zone in all three of the games in Tampa. And they, and they won all three of them. They were the worst in the first two periods of all the games. Okay. But that the reality was that, that, you know, the third period that like Kevin said that Apple, you know, Tampa doesn't have the energy to, to, sure. to, to keep going. So that the, if this was a two period game, Tampa's Tampa moves on, you know, right. but the reality is it's a three period game and <laughs> there we have it. Right. I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the biggest thing I think that the Leafs have to worry about. If this is Vezina Bob, which it looks like it might be. Well, no, they said they said Alex Lyon left the ice first. So unless Maurice is playing games, that's a game. I, I think it's a mistake if they. That's a that. game. That's a game. One hundred percent a game. Unless Bob, unless Bob has a slight injury that we don't know right, about. Right. Which Otherwise, is very possible because I thought, and, and I'm telling you why I think that's possible. There's no inside information or anything like that, but. I thought they went to Bob one game later than they normally would have in the last series. Okay. I thought playing game three for Lyon, um, you know, or whatever, whatever. Lyon played in game four. Yeah, right. He played game four, right? Yeah, that's right. So Lyon played. It felt like it was time to go to Bob in game four, and they didn't. This is still going to be a series where Toronto's going to have to outscore Florida because Florida has just as good an offense, and the Leafs are going to have to deal with Kachuk because he is going to go after guys. Besides scoring points, like yeah. that's that's a fact. I think if Bob's not in there, then the edge goes to the Leafs. If Bob is in there for most of the series, I think the edge goes to Florida. I do. Yeah, the- uh, yeah. I mean, I I went game, I went seven games, and we'll get the predictions in a second. But I I don't, I honestly don't know how to go with it because I think that the other fascinating thing is, you know, you always look at who the teams just played and you know what how how that's going to look differently because you play against a team for six games in a row. You come out then against another team. There's a big you're gonna notice big differences, and Florida's gonna obviously notice that there's no Charlie McAvoy on defense. <laughs> the defense 
The defense that the Leafs have is not nearly the defense that the Bruins have. Well, the Bru- the Bruins had two number ones, although Hampus Lindholm yeah. didn't have any points in seven games, so he must have been playing injured. Yeah, um, but yeah. then Boston's defense and Orloff is essentially a number Orloff one. Or number yeah, I mean that defense was crazy good, and the and the Panthers had to battle like hell to get through to get opportunities to score. Um, and they were definitely out of opportunity by Boston in the series, you know, because of that. There was no way. I mean, you just couldn't get through this. So it's going to be a lot easier to get through Toronto. Now, you know, whether I think the goaltending is going to be better for Toronto than it was in the first for Boston. I think I thought I didn't think, you know, Omar was good at all, honestly, in the series. Well, Omar, okay, Omar was very good. Allmark was injured. They said gro- groin injury that he was battling. Why the hell was they were they playing him? You know what I mean? It's like that doesn't make any sense to me. Like they have two, they have two one goalies. Right. And that's what I at, at this point of the year, right? Yeah, I don't want to hear about who's injured. Yeah, who's I hate being that. hurt. I want to hold the coaches accountable for like, hey, if you feel like that guy even injured is your best choice, that's fine. But that's right. on you. But that's I mean, this you. is not like that. Not like they had a nothing backup on that team. They have like. Right. They have, they have they have the guy who thought was going to be the starter on that team, right. and, and and you know who he really is. So they had the guy who's going to win the Vesna. So that's you know yeah, that's, but the, but regular But if he's hurt, then what? Right. Then you know that's if they, if you know he's hurt, like Russ is saying, what are you doing? You know, like do you think you can even beat Florida with a hurt goalie? That that's very, very squirrely. He asked, go talk to Bob Asenza about it. Like all of a sudden, it's not it's out of my control. It's like you're the last word. The goalie yeah. coach, or whatever Bob Asenza's role is with with the uh, with the Bruins, that's just a hey. This is what I would do, but you're the last word. Yeah, you have, have to say it. something. So every, I mean, everything everything in terms of Alex Lyon is being based on the fact that he left the ice first for Bradley. Yeah, we can't go with that. Uh, so yeah, more than likely, I would think based on the fact that Bobrovsky played the last three games and they won all three. Maybe they're giving him a day off. Maybe. I will tell you something that I do know on the inside, and that is Florida loves to screw with the Toronto media. So well, I, I, would, I, mean, I would not be shocked at all if this, if this if there's well, that's, something. That's exactly what I said because because Matthew Kachuk was being interviewed uh, um, this morning before after the morning skate, and he was like, well, you know, there's no doubt in my mind Toronto was the best of the teams remaining. Of, of course, course he's going to say that. Of course he's going to say that. That is, you know, that, and you know what? Fine. Paul Maurice used to be in Toronto. He knows how to handle the Toronto media. Yes. Matthew Kachuk is well schooled in that. He's been in a Canadian market. Oh yeah, they all they all get well, it. You gotta give Maurice credit. He got burnt out in Winnipeg. He admitted it. Well, I and, think I think the I think the Winnipeg players burnt him out based right, on what, clearly they're they're not they're not helping the situation now either. They're never so. going to be a hundred percent. But but I'll I'll say I'll he's say he's always been a good coach. He's I'll, been I'll a good say coach, yeah. I'll say this. Toronto better not underestimate Florida at their own peril yeah. because if they do, this team will beat the crap out of you. And not not saying I'm not saying physically, but physically and mentally, they you know they came back against a team that everybody thought that they were going to beat. Everybody thought they were going to lose to, and they beat them. The so, Bruins lost like they were like something like fifty and zero leading going into the second period this year. Going into the third period, they lost. Two games to the Panthers leading and, going into their period. And something, and I'm writing about this right now, something that not too many people have pointed out. They did it with their best two players not playing well. One because of yeah. sickness, Barkov. The other yeah. one, Ekblad, because of injury. Ekblad yeah. had no points in seven games or six games in yeah. this series against the Bruins. He's, you know, when he's healthy, he's a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. And believe me, Barkov was obviously. I think Barkov was obviously not 100. percent Like, watch. I've watched a lot of Florida fans. No, he wasn't. Like, what the heck is going on with him? You know, it I was think obvious. To get the most out of their top guys more than Florida. Florida, at least right now, because that's yeah. how it's been. But I do think Florida has been getting that secondary scoring more than the Leafs have. Yeah. And I think both of them have high-powered offenses. But, look, I already know what the Leafs can do, right? I was really impressed with the waves of offense that Florida was able to put on against Boston. Yeah. Like, that was something that Boston had not seen all year, probably from any team. But yeah. What you have to remember is the Florida Panthers. The Montour was a big reason. Yes, Florida Panthers set a record for goals scored last year. Like they, they, this, the, and this, this is the same team. Act. This is not that different, Mike. I mean, it's yeah, really, but when, when, when Chuck has changed the mentality of it, yes, but Chuck has made them and it just helped them. I mean, honestly, from that, like you know, no, but he changed the mentality of it. Like you could see mm-hmm. last game when I think Chuck had a goal in that game, and he went over to the bench and he fired them all up. Like yes. that was basically like Braveheart. Like that was the same kind oh, yeah, of. Deal. He is. 
in Braveheart. He is more important than any coach. Like he is, he is doing what you're doing. Best he, player in the first round for any team. Yeah, yeah. You and, can and, take and, our homes, but you can't take yeah, our Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> that's what that was like. Was no, and he, and you know, to watch him play. And but remember, like they, they do find scoring from all over the place. And Montour and Verhage, um, you know, cousins. These guys are like you said. Are, Lundell, I think, is coming of age. Too. Yeah, Lundell is a is a is a really good playmaker and. The reality is that, you know, the one thing that they have that, you know, Tampa didn't have, Barkov is a better defensive player than anybody on Tampa. So the, the offense, yes. you know, so then any, any forward. So you're going to get, when you get back to Florida and you want to match lines, even though it's hard to match against Toronto because they got two, they got three crazy good centers. Well, but, you know, well, Barkov will be able to help a little bit there. Where Toronto is going to have to take advantage of Florida in this series is Florida's defense because Florida's defense is, I think, below average. With Ekblad not at 100%, Montour is great. Montour has played fantastic this year. He had 73 points. He had five goals in the first round. He's been fantastic. Their number two defenseman all season was Gustav Forsling. Gustav Forsling is barely a top four defenseman. That's true. I mean, that's all true about their – but, you know – it, it's funny, Mike. We we all killed their defense most of the year, and, and then when their goaltending got just a little better, we stopped whining about their defense. We sure, did. yes, but but I, I think that's that, what made know, up the difference. Rad, yeah. You know, Radko Gudis is is physical, and he looks like a Civil War general with that beard. But he's slow, and the thing is, if you can get by him, which I think a lot of the Toronto forwards can, then mm-hmm. you can take advantage of him. So he's not as slow. He's not as slow as you. You know, he's not, he's not like Brad. I mean, he doesn't, he's not speedy, but he's not like, yeah. he's not, he's not slow. He's, he's not, not he's not Brad, Brad Marsh slow, but he's no, like, but he's going to catch, he's going to catch one of the Leafs in a hip yeah. check like he always does. And he's not going to get a penalty for it. And all the Leafs are going to go crazy. Like he just killed somebody. Like yeah, that and then is anticipation. breeds on somebody gets suspended for five games. There you go. I mean, Gudis's anticipation makes up for his speed all the time. Like he's yeah, very good. So. He, he really knows where to go. Oh, I'm going to be honest about something. I didn't yeah. know Gudis had a dad that played in the league. I had no idea. Neither did I. Yeah, yeah neither did I. Leo Gudis. I didn't know who the hell he was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, so honestly, this series is, is you know, the one thing I, I think I wrote that's kind of funny is that the team should thank each other um, when they get on the ice night because they, they both knocked out the others. The oh, others so you should do a handshake line before the game starts. Because they, because, because Boston, yeah, because the Leafs are thrilled not to be playing Boston. But I don't know if that if they're more thrilled not to be playing Boston than the Panthers are not to be playing Tampa. You know I mean, like this, is, it, this is a brave new world, Act. Like, I think yeah. that was like everybody was holding on to those old things. And now that they're not there, we well, really don't know. Who the big? I mean, honestly, of all the teams left, I I put in picks like everybody else. Do I know for certain who the biggest threat is to win the cup now? Not really. Well, that's why that 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 the title of the title of my blog today is "Has the road been cleared for Toronto?" And I think that okay, outwardly, yeah, you look that. I mean, I picked Boston and the Rangers to be in the Eastern Conference Final, and both of them are gone. But the one thing that Toronto has got to guard against is complacency, is being satisfied with the fact, okay, finally we got past the first round for the first time in 19 years. Now you have this opportunity where Carolina is wounded, New Jersey is not very experienced, and Florida has flaws. But oh, you know what? You've got to step on their necks and kill them. And yeah. if you don't, if you allow Florida to do what they did against Boston, you're going to lose. I, so I will say this for the chat room um, to Mike Polsky. Mike, the only reason I talked about the Rangers' future is because I'm, I've just come off this game. I'd spoken to a lot of New York people yeah. yesterday. Give us a couple days to figure out what Boston should do because I'm not as familiar with them as I am with the Rangers. So yeah, yeah, well, we oh. we just we were yeah. That's that the, the Rangers' future is very different. So yeah, Sevy uh, in the chat is acting as asking, "Am I predicting a Panthers victory? Panthers in seven. Anderson seven. Russ. Wow. That blew me away. I, I'm going to be honest. I was not expecting that. You weren't expecting that? No. I you, thought for sure. Well, the show? I'm, I do watch the show. I've actually been a part of probably 500 of these stupid shows. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen it? I mean, no, but you, you really is, think you would pick the Leafs ever? No, no. But it seemed like Mike hopped over the rainbow bridge 
on the last show and was actually going to be pro. Oh, I really thought he did that. I, I'm picking Panthers and six, but I am blown away that Mike didn't do it. I thought for sure this was going to be the change in Mike that all of a sudden he was going to go with the Leafs. Yeah. I'm as no, Russ, I'm, I'm as constant as the North star. Yeah, you really are, man. Without the medication. You always rather be happy than right, Mike. Um, Mike would rather be happy than right. So basically, that that's why if he fixes the Panthers. I think that's what it is. I think that's – you hit If he fixes the Panthers, it's like, okay. That's um, Mike's equivalent of win-win. Panthers in six? Wow. I did not see that coming. Um, Leafs in seven. Um, and of, of course. No, no, this is like – I am not doing this justice, justice for you, Mike. I promise you. I don't do that. It's but, the, um, it's but it still has the same result. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the, the reality here is that I don't have that in me. Um, no, I think this is clear that, you know, the, Leaf, the Leafs are going to I, – I, and, and, and it could be quicker than that. Like, a part of me wants to go Leafs in six, but I don't – I don't know. Um, I think that, you know, the thing that, that I worry about with the Panthers is that was such a big emotional thing to beat Boston, you know, and it, it is, it's going to be tough. Like, game one tonight – Game one tonight's going to be very big in many, many ways. Well, they're they're both they're both dealing with the same thing. Act. They're both dealing with the same thing in the sense that they have to guard against being satisfied. Right. But historically, when you look at the biggest upsets, the team that has that big upset doesn't go any further. Like, and that's that's just honestly the reality of things. Like, because it's because you because it's such an emotional deal to beat. Like they won the Stanley Cup. But both teams had the same equal upset, so that's where <laughs> I did. They did. Oh gosh. Um, does they, um, no, I think that they both, they both have equal emotional things and the, where the Leafs have to be careful tonight in my mind is they won that game on the road and this crowd's going to be nuts tonight. And this, this is going to be there. They're going to be crazy. And I right, well, we have to talk about something. Well, let me finish oh, this no, one no. thought. Let me yeah. finish this one thought then. Will the Leafs come out and try to perform for their crowd and try to be offensive, offensive, offensive. If, if they do that, they're going to fall well, into the Panthers' spot. We have a we had a preview of that in Game One, where the crowd was all hyped up at Scotiabank Arena, and yeah. they gave up a goal in the opening minute to Corey Perry, and it was right. I, mean, I do want to he, say this in the in the most basic possible way: the geo blocking of Leafs fans to try and get tickets for these <laughs> games is bush league. Yeah, and bush you know what? And enjoy the, all those empty seats in sunrise. Won't be any empty seats in sunrise. Well, I mean that you know that you know. Well, they've already, they've they, already. I mean, act, if they didn't think that they were going to have a ticket problem, they definitely would open it up. So I do agree that it probably will fill up. But the point is, it should be first come, first serve. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I I would do it. I heard Elliot Freeman talk about this, and I kind of agree with him. I would have a one day Florida only sale. Where you say, okay, what you know, because and give and give you give them the opportunity to buy everything up, and if you don't, tough luck. That's right. One day sale, and after that, it's open because you, that, that gives you a chance at least because it is. Uh, master is a pain in the neck, and all that crap is a pain in the neck. So just I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you Eck, I like not, the idea. It's not. It's not going to stop Toronto fans because we know that it'll be. Oh, no, they'll be, they'll be, they're going to be a lot of Florida fans going to be making a lot of money. Secondary market stub hub and everything. They'll be. They'll be raking in money. So and and like I said, Lee fans basically. And that's even Mike, honestly, because I I know and, and Russ, that's even honestly why they wanted to limit this even more. I think because the reality is the the ticket people who are really good at buying tickets and selling tickets knew that this was a big ticket for Toronto and are going to. These aren't even Maple Leaf fans. These are people in like in New York and stuff like that who are buying the tickets to put on StubHub to sell the Lee okay. fans. Well, I mean, I think there's listen, some of that, but I still don't like the idea. Listen to the response. Listen to the response. In the crowd when Tavares scored the OT winner in Tampa, it sounded like Scotiabank Arena. Oh, there no, were a lot of Leaf fans there. It was loud. But okay, again, if I'm going to get into the mentality of a Lightning fan, I've already got my cups. This is a game where I'm not sure about. I can make my money now and be safe. Yeah, well, well, it's, well, a, it's a first round game. You know, it's like right. You know, I mean, they've been they, – this, this is a team that's seen four playoffs. I don't blame yeah. Lightning fans for that. In row, whatever, they've been there yeah. the whole time with them winning cups. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is only the first round of four that they usually see there. So, right. to me, it's like – I think that at the end of the day, this is – this you know, you, well, there will be a lot of Leaf fans there. But I think if you if you did the one-day sale and you, and, you, and you challenged Panthers fans properly and you mm -hmm. went like, okay, you know, let's show them what we're all about and buy all these tickets up in one day from Florida. Not that, well, you know, people have been able to like somehow – 
IP mask and gut in there from these other places because that's all going to happen. Yeah. But at least then um, they could have they could have sold them on one. Why, why, why don't we go the other game quickly? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, yeah, Seattle Dallas opens tonight, and I, okay, I give Seattle all the credit in the world for beating Colorado. But um, we 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 no. Let me let me continue. We know we know that Colorado one had injury issues with Landeskog, and the whole Nakushkin thing was a complete off the ice distraction. Plus Makar was out for a game and, you know, they, they, they ended up losing that game. Um, I picked Dallas to come out of, you know, Dallas to come out of the West in the Stanley, to be the, the representative in the Stanley Cup. Because you hate Edmonton. No, because I think Dallas is the better team. That's why. Um, and, and I still do. And I think, you know, now question is, is when Pavelski will be back. We don't know whether that'll be early in the series, late in the series or not at all. But I do think Dallas is the better team, and I think you know Seattle will fight hard. But I, I, I'm picking uh, Dallas in six games. Yeah, I'm going Dallas in six because on the strength of Ottinger and Robertson and and guys like Hints and still the old guard. I can't believe I'm calling them the old guard. But Sagan's been pretty beat up, and you know with all the hip surgeries and Ben, and they're still they're still pulling it. This could be the last go round for them, and I, I think they're going to have a little bit more. I think Seattle is going to play this super defensively and take the goals they can get and try and lock down leads. And I think they're going to have a hard time doing it. Yeah. This is going to be a low scoring series. If, you know, Dallas extends it, it'll be a low scoring series, but you know, maybe Seattle had Anton Hudobin, maybe it would be a better series. (laughs) (laughs) That was for you, Tony. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think, uh, yeah, Uh, this is, this is a, I mean, Ottinger is the best goalie left in the playoffs in my mind. Um, that that's a tough one, you know. And no, I think that's whoa, 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 whoa! Not Jack Campbell. No, <laughs> I think that's fair. Campbell's the best goalie on Edmonton. <laughs> um, this is this is this is you know the best goal. Actually, Campbell's the best goalie on any Canadian team. I'll throw that out there. Um, but oh, for Christ! But okay, but we won't go there. Um, but no, so I think Andrew is so hard to bet against me. Andrew is like the you know. Can't wait for the U.S. Olympic team. Like, Andre like makes me want to like see that so much. You know, like what is I want to see that battle because he's going to be. Matt Murray is better than Campbell, but anyway. <laughs> Matt Murray can't put his skates. On. He plays. Matt Murray can't put his skates on, Mike. So let's just like throw that out there. He's still better um, than Campbell. Even if he can there you go. We're playing his sneakers. How many um, wings does Matt Murray have this year? Oh boy. Let let let, let, let I finish. <laughs> Text finished. Um, <laughs> Seattle in seven. Um, okay. Go okay. Seattle in seven, and because I just I believe I'm a believer now. I I, I just is it Hackstall? What is it? What is it? It is partly age for okay. Dallas. I think that I think that you know they were great against Minnesota. It, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, not, it's not Hackstall. Definitely no, not Hackstall. <laughs> I did. Oh, by the way, I did. I did watch the video of of the coaches hugging Hackstall. <laughs> he did. He did have a little bit of a smile, but he went away so fast. Like, did you did you see him standing? Did you watch yeah, it? I mean, it wasn't like he was like stone faced. Like, it wasn't like Steve Carell from The Office. Was- I am a hundred percent on the Seattle Kraken bandwagon. Okay, I uh, think I think we are going to see a Kraken. Stanley Cup. Are you um, having salmon for dinner tonight? Oh, I hate salmon. Um, <laughs> well, how could you be a cracker? All the fish. I, it's just the one. I, I love seafood. I can't stand salmon. I don't why know why do you hate salmon? It might be the color. I don't I don't know what it is, but it's something about salmon. I just don't like it. It's the least fishy tasting fish. It is. No, I mean, I love tuna. I love flounder. I'll eat mm-hmm. bluefish. Like bluefish, which is very fishy. I'll eat that every day of the week. But, oh, no. no. Anyway. Interesting. It's about salmon me. I've just never salmon. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, um, no, I just think that uh, long live the Sasquatch. You know, I'm going to say I like the Seattle. I like the Seattle aspect of things. I just think that youth will prevail, and I think that they are just believing in themselves in a way they're that is that is, young. Yeah, that's the thing. They're not that young. They're not that young, but they they're yeah, they fast. added like 26, seven year olds this year. But they're yeah, really. Kabelski getting back is great, but he's also you know Suter is good, but he's also, you know, and you know what I mean? These guys are like, but Suter's not playing 28 minutes a night anymore. No. He's playing like 22. It's like the, no, the, the 22 uh, minutes for Suter's play. I mean, and, and, you know, and, you know, and listen, I, I, I don't know. I mean, 
Ben and Sagan are, are have their moments, but it, it, I just, and I, I do think that de- I love Dallas's depth and the, they are set up actually like I usually say teams should be to win a Stanley Cup. Like they have the old guys, they have the young guys, they have the whole thing. They do seem to have a good mix. I will They've say got that. that blend and the great goalie. They are in a spot where if you, you know, if you, if I was to pick like who would be the best shot, like they've got a serious shot at this, but when you look at it just that way, but for some reason, I just think Seattle's going to steal it. I don't know what it is. Um, okay. That's I could be totally wrong, but I haven't been before. So, you know, we'll see. Um, all right. <laughs> and I don't mean to, I don't mean to downplay this game, but it's hard to like, it's hard to, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's a nice pitch. Okay. I'm not saying I'm not, I have nothing against them personally. I think they probably are very nice. And you fish. do have to get the salmon um, wild, you can't get it farm raised. Right, right. I know, I know that. And and my wife, my mom, my mom calls it salmon, but my mom loves it. <laughs> um, we always joke about that. But um, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, my favorite I, salmon is Tim Salmon, the outfielder from the Anaheim Angels. Salmon Ruski, Ruski. Um, um. Anyway, yeah, I think um, salmon croquette. Have you had a nice salmon croquette ever? No, if it has salmon in it, I'm not. I'm not eating it. Oh, That's salmon cool. croquettes are nice, Zach, with a little with potato and oh yeah they're nice <laughs> i don't know I, I, it's a color of the fish partially it definitely is the color from oh, being it's fake coloring that's what i'm saying i think i think if you bought the right it's type, not supposed to be pink no no it's well no it's not supposed to be pink it's more reddish than pink and right and so sometimes yeah i would say this i don't know if you've had the right salmon yet i don't know i don't know if i have had the right salmon yet russ <laughs> i mean i haven't. haven't had if someone out there wants having, to tell me a restaurant I can go to that has the best salmon, I'm a tuna guy. Have a good smoked salmon with with a schmear and a bagel. If you don't <laughs> like that, we're done. Smoke, no, 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 no smoked fish. I don't like smoked fish at all. No. Mm-hmm. But you have wait. But there's a thing though. The, have you tried them all together? It's a thing. Yes, I have. I've, being... been at, I've been at I've been at my share of bar mitzvahs and um and Jewish weddings in my life, and uh, I I have tried. I've been I've been. Do you like fried onions? Fried onions, yes. Do you like eggs? No, not really. Uh, see, lox eggs and onions is really good. Yeah, see, egg, eggs are eggs are a thing. Egg, eggs are something I I don't know. I'll eat once in a while, and I don't hate eggs, but I just um, but it's not. It's, I don't go out of my way to ever eat eggs. Okay, no, that's fair. There are some people that don't like eggs. Well, I can't. I really, eat not them. met many that don't like salmon. That's the funny thing. I to answer yeah. that question, I I cannot eat raw fish. I just can't. No, I can't. I don't like raw fish either. I like I like sushi. I do so, but not not all kinds of sushi. But I do like. But you sushi. don't eat the salmon part in the sushi though. Yeah. No, I wouldn't eat. No, no. no I, the only sushi I eat is like that with with like cooked like cooked shrimp or cooked something. Well, or, I'll take a spicy tuna roll every day of the week. Those are amazing. Um, okay. Those yeah. are incredible. And uh, but yeah, that, I I got introduced to sushi of all places in Nashville, Tennessee. Um. That was that was where I because it was a 1990 date myself a little bit 1994 when we were I was recording an album in Nashville um, where I was hanging out with Shania and uh, that's where I got my that's where I first got introduced the the people down there took me to sushi places which I, in 1994 I never I don't think we're really up here very much I didn't I'd never heard of it before so which hockey jersey was Shania wearing that's the important she's not, thing she's not a Senators fan. Ava Bure. Uh, but I, but I, she had the one she had with her was a Pavel Bure Vancouver Canucks jersey. That's what I saw. She's an Ottawa Senators fan. Now she is, but I don't think the Ottawa Senators existed then. <laughs> no, 91. 91. Oh, they, okay, they were, okay, about that, yeah. yeah, I don't think she was wearing an Alexander Daig jersey. I don't know. Because he was a big star. That's fine. I was there the last year of the Nashville Knights. The year I recorded my album, which is my favorite story. So I was there the last, the last year of the Nashville Knights, who were the ECHL uh, affiliate of the. Of the Atlanta Knights for the ACHL, the NHL was the Tampa Bay Lightning. So Tampa, Atlanta, and Nashville was the ECHL. They had a small arena, and they, the Nashville Knights played there. And I went to like a bunch of games during during when I was recording that album and loved it. And it was, it was their final season. I was there for their final game ever before they tore the place down and just closed the franchise. I have a jersey from that game that they gave away jerseys off the players' backs, and I happened to win one. So um, I was like, that was really crazy. Um, and that was my first – that's why I've always had like a little Nashville hockey thing in my in my head Yeah, um, from back then. All right, so here's what I will say about the challenge of Michael Jackson over Prince. Um, okay. Growing up with the Jackson 5, seeing the immense stardom – now forget about Michael Jackson's personal life because I don't want to talk about that. Um, but just the immense stardom that, that Michael Jackson had, I feel like he could have done anything in music he wanted to do, so I have to pick Michael Jackson. Yeah, it. but he said post-Jackson 5. 
it doesn't matter. He post Jackson five. He still he was still the biggest star on earth. Like it didn't matter. No, I, I agree with that. Okay, uh, star, I'll take musically. I will take Prince. Okay, yeah, I will. Just, I think a- I think Prince Prince's skill for songwriting was just. I mean, Jackson was really Jackson good. Did write songs. Too. Oh, he wrote great songs. No, like Billie Jean. These are from, they're phenomenal songs. They're, these are like, there's like great, great songs that Michael Jackson wrote. And he also was had really good producers working with him. To good make collaborators. Them. You yeah. picked guys like Slash. Just like, if you if you took the, I actually heard somebody do a piano voice version of Billie Jean, just piano and voice, like that just blew my mind. Like, it, yeah. you, you hear how good a song is when you strip it down to that level. Billie like, Jean's remember, it was, his, it was his choice to pick Slash, and that was a ballsy thing to do for a pop guy. What, for, yeah. Dirty, for Dirty Diana? No, for, um, for um, blah, blah, blah. um, thriller. Well, not, no, oh, no, that was oh, for was it, whatever song it was. I forget which song. Well, it no, was. it was it was Eddie Van Halen for "Beat It." No, no, but he did use Slash too. Yeah, it, was for, it was for "Dirty Diana." I'm pretty was sure. It? I thought it was something else. Okay. Yeah. All right, no. uh, yeah. NHL Draft Lottery Simulator. NHL Draft Lottery Simulator. We are seven days away from this. Let's go. go. Sim it up, Mike. We're simming. The Columbus Blue Jackets. The Flyers get the Antilly Lace again. Well, they pick them is the question. Do you, don't you think they would they would pick him? I know I know how much they I, I know that. No, I think they would pick him too. I know that for a fact that they love him. They would. I mean, you know, they would they would definitely go obviously with Connor Bedard at number one, but they they think that Tilly is is a number. Oh, one. Mike, it was black or white. That was the song. Black. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that he did with Slack. I hate to tell you, Eck. Every single time we've done the lottery, the Canadians have finished sixth. I know that's because oh, their time is coming. He didn't play on black or white. That's a, a myth. Never mind. Their their time Montreal's time is coming, and it won't be. Uh, it'll be the real ping pong balls that determine. I them. will tell you this: that would be the worst possible. Well, the second worst possible place for Connor Bedard to go would be Montreal. Yeah. Yes. Why? Why do you think that? Because the because, immense because, pressure because they have a psych, because they have a psychotic fan base. Uh, who will who will crush that kid if he if he has a slow week, you know they'll they'll, they'll destroy they'll destroy him like you know I mean they, they did that with Doug Wickenheiser. Yeah, I, well, I mean I was speaking with a Montreal reporter yesterday, and it was funny because he was complaining about um, one of their draft picks, and I'm like, well, what about Louis LeBlanc? That poor kid was defeated before he ever got to the podium for for being a, a Canadian's draft pick and being a French speaking kid. So yeah. it is hard for French speaking kids, but Bedard is not a French speaking. I know Bedard um, would still do well. I don't know if he would be a superstar there because it's hard to be a superstar now in Montreal. It at is. this time it is, but it, it, it won't be forever. You know, like, and in my opinion, like this, this is also, this is a fan base that's while they will tear people down, will absolutely fall head over heels for people too. And if they got Bedard, I think they would. I think they would fall head over heels. Yeah, for that's them. right. It was Steve Luthiger and beat it. And and I like Luthiger a lot. I saw Toto live. They were, he's he's a great guitarist, actually. Yes. We can't we can't compare like guys like Alex Kalinchko. You can't compare that. I, they're saying he's he was no, somebody. But this is kind of he, he was somebody that was ruined by Montreal. Yeah, but he was a no. I mean, he he yes, he was ruined. Yeah, but there's a different. All right, Eck. All I would the, say is this: Canadians have never been this low. Do you think the Canadians handled Slavkovsky right this past? No, season? no, definitely not. No, okay. no. And that's what they would do with Bedard. Bedard will make that team no matter. Well, Bedard's what. different than than that. He is different, but the team isn't great defensively. They're not going to have a ton of support for him. And while they have a couple of great players, Saint Louis does play it kind of fast and loose, and I'm not sure that would be the best thing for him. Uh, might be. It might be though. I mean, it, it might, might be, it points, be, but it might not be for total. It uh, might, total. I mean, I I would love to see Caulfield and Bedard. I mean, that that combination would be ridiculous. I think. Um, I think you know that that combination would be something else. They have, they are, they're building from the ground up. So Canadians fans, are, the expectations are not going to be like they're going to win a Stanley Cup next year, no matter what you do. So this is actually the perfect time to go into Montreal, in my opinion. If you're going to be a player, like if you're going to go, if you're going to go in as a Bedard player, it's not like if they were already. On the verge, and Bedard could take him over the top. No, no, you got to turn Slavkovsky into something first. You got to hope that he uh, rebounds like I think he will. But you got to hope he will. But you know, but Bedard is different. It's different, you know. Obviously, like he's he's a different he's a different level than all those guys. Yes. Like this is like if they got if this is like not like getting McDavid, but it's as close as you can get to getting McDavid probably. So it's like you know you're talking about a different world here. 
And what if the Penguins got Bedard? What would happen to the world, to Twitter? What would happen? I would say that Flyers fans would say that the, the, that this is that someone is revolutionary. The they keep the Penguins in superstar. The Penguins world. can't get Bedard. They didn't finish 11th. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's that, that's the, the only reason. Good. That's probably the only reason they can't because you know they're do they're doing another superstar somewhere down the yeah, line. The Capitals could get Bedard, and that's is there another guy after Bedard uh, next year, the year after that? Rest that people are like crazy, crazy. Yeah, crazy. um, Cele- Max Celebrini. Yeah, playing for the Chicago Steel, he just won an award. He was in the U18s. He was the high scorer for for Canada and the tournament. He's yeah, but who's the who's, who's okay. Michael Misa? No, he's not. Iserman and Celebrini are the two that are. You'll celebrate is next year or the year after that? Next year. Next year? Okay. All right. All right. We'll be back for that. We'll have our right. games tomorrow. Remember, we will talk about the games tomorrow and we'll, we'll get into them because those are going to be some interesting predictions, Mike. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you all then. Enjoy the game tonight. I can't wait. No, they won't. They won't be interesting. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.